Welcome back to a new episode of Chicago's Legal Latte. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Mitchell, and very pleased to continue our previous conversation from not too long ago. And we took a uh, look at the uh, role of letters of intent in business operations. And today we welcome back some of our uh, members of that discussion, Ted McGinn, the managing partner of Val Law, and Bill Germanetti, principal at Impact Business Coaching. Ted, Bill, thanks for uh, taking some time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jim. Always glad to be here. We, uh, we had a very uh, robust conversation first time through, and this is a sort of a continuation of that as we move a little further through the uh, business entity process. And today we're going to talk about due diligence, which is a term we hear in a lot of different settings, but uh, we're going to talk about it in a business transaction today. So maybe, Ted, I'll start with you, and I always like to go for a definition. What exactly do we mean when we say due diligence? Yeah, I mean, just to break it down simply, I mean, due diligence is the process by which the buyer looks to take a deeper dive into the business that they're going to acquire and make sure that the business is really what the seller has described it to be. They want to get in there and just make sure that what's been promised is, is going to be there when the time comes and they close on this deal. And, and Bill, when we talked about letters of intent last time around, we, we sort of set that as a point in which a, a transaction really gets some legs under it and that, you know, sort of commits people to the deal. When, when does due diligence take place within this process then? Yeah, it's, you know, the, one of the things we had talked about the letter of intent is to kind of allow us to share information. Uh, which allows us to go down that path of mm-hmm. uh, due diligence. Um, and there could be confidentiality agreements that go along with that as well, of course. Um, so um, it's really just, you know, what we thought. We probably shared some information already. It's just going to that next level of really digging it out. And um, sometimes great conversations, you know, sometimes we, I like to say, sometimes we hear different things. Um, but when we put it down on paper, it's like, well, I thought it was this and it was something else. Mm-hmm. So it's really critical that if we're going to offer that final price, that we understand really what we're, we have and what we can do with it. And so, so am I correcting the assumption then that the due diligence is something that's carried out and conducted by and for the buyer in the deal? Yeah, I think that's yes. fair. Yeah, I mean, typically it would be the buyer, although I would say some deals you may have perhaps a merger, in which case maybe part of the consideration that's being received is other shares of stock or other equity that the seller is going to deliver to the buyer. So I think it's fair game for the buyer um, uh, or, or actually both parties may want to engage in their own due diligence to make sure whatever consideration they're getting in on the deal is actually what it's been promised to be. So I, I, I think due diligence is going to be conducted on both sides. It depends on the nature of the transaction, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, what, what I would add to what Ted, Ted just said is a lot of folks, uh, when they're selling their business, this is their passion. And this is something mm-hmm. they've done for a long time. And, and, and I, I love spending time with that, especially as they're building their business, making sure that they achieve that. And a lot of times it's about how they wanted to take care of their customers how they wanted to take care of their employees, what kind of organization they want to build. And so when it comes to sell, you might have this in your house, you know, you sold a house. It's like, well, you're going to tear down that 
that beautiful thing that I built and do something totally different. So the seller a lot of times wants to make sure that their business is not torn down or certain okay. parts ripped off or their employees or customers are not handled or taken care of with the, the love and care and the passion uh, that they originally did. So there, uh, especially if there's some employees that are going to continue some key employees. So there can be some due diligence of this, the management style, uh, you know, how, how that's all going to fit in. And, yeah, and I would say, especially if there's going to be seller financing. So in the sense that the buyer is going to pay the seller over a period of time, the seller may want to be satisfied that the buyer knows what they're doing and they're going to be able to operate the business successfully, you know, putting aside the whole care for the customers right. and the employees. I mean, that's important, but the seller wants to be sure that they're going to get paid. And that part of that is the competency of the buyer and the, and, and the credit worthiness of the buyer. Well, we're certainly, um, you know, in initial conversation here, starting to dig pretty deep into this, and I think there's a lot of different layers. Let's let's start now with the buyer. Um, you talked about a few things, but is is there a general scope to this? I could imagine it could get very broad. So when a buyer is looking at an asset that they want to buy, you know, what are they looking for, and and uh, what access do they have to kind of get into some of that? Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, uh, a lot of times we tend to think of the numbers. Let's Mm -hmm. dig into the real numbers. Um, uh, A lot of folks that we all work with, you know, a million or less in revenue to hundreds of millions of of dollars in revenue. Um, A lot of them still are family-owned, closely held organizations. And sometimes, (laughs) let's be honest, some of the money that goes through are perks. Uh, You know, what are the real dollars? and ultimately, what's going to stay, what's going to go as that owner comes and goes uh, as far as how they run it and the, and the, the profitability numbers. Uh, is the rent too low? Is the rent too high? Is there no owner's compensation being taken out? So uh, getting behind those numbers and sometimes the numbers look better because the owner is not paying himself or they really look much, much better because the, the owner's uh, doing well, doing very well and, and taking it out. And so getting behind the numbers, that's, that's probably the primary area and just, you know, trusting those, what's the source of those numbers and are, are they real? Yeah, I think verification is a key word. You're trying to verify that this business is worth what you've agreed to pay. You, you, you've negotiated a price. That's a function of valuation. What is the company worth? And you want to verify that the cash flows that this business is generating supposedly in the past it's something that will be reproducible in the future. So the buyer will get its return on its investment. Yeah. That, that, what I would add the next layer is most people, uh, buyers aren't interested in what they already did, but what they can do and leverage forward. Mm-hmm. They're going to come into their organization, bring it in or take it over. And what am I going to do with it? Am I going to grow it? Am I going to, uh, you know, leverage an idea, a patent, uh, a process, uh, a, a team that's been built. Um, so it's, you know, um, you know, maybe I'm going to shut down a location and then there's some savings that can be made. And so looking at some of these tangible, but also some intangible assets, uh, the processes, the team, the people, uh, the potential uh, for this company or the service or the product. Um, they're going to get an opportunity to really get their hands and touch it. Uh, that maybe they, uh, 
in rare cases, it might even talk to customers. Uh, they might talk to some key suppliers. Are they going to continue? Uh, they're going to lose a key uh, contract, or both on the supplier side or on the customer side. Uh, same with employees. So you start also to get behind those numbers and what's going to continue, uh, as well as uh, how important was that owner? And if the owner's not there, what do we have? Do we have something? You're, you're hearing from uh, Bill Germanetti, principal at Impact Business Coaching. Bill's got about 40 years experience uh, working with small to mid-sized businesses, the last 20 or so as a business consultant. And Ted McGinn, the managing partner at uh, Lavelle Law, who uh, bring you this podcast series. We're talking about uh, due diligence today in, in business transactions. Um, you've talked a lot about what people are looking for. Are there any limitations, Ted, on um, what has to be shared? Uh, a lot of questions can be asked. Does a seller or a, or a partner in a merger have to make everything available? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good question because a lot of times there's a little bit of uh, distrust or suspicion, uh, especially if you have a business that may have a trade secret or some sort of sensitive information. Sometimes a seller is really hesitant to you know, show all their cards mm -hmm. um, because if the deal doesn't go forward, they're kind of vulnerable there. On the other hand, you know, I've always explained to my clients, you, you, you know, the buyer is not going to close until they get the chance to look at everything. So I think the way to handle that sort of sensitive information is to kind of hold that stuff back until you get to the point in time where it's very clear that, yes, this deal is going to happen. And, and that's when you may have to, you know, you may have to share that trade secret and you may have to sit down and start alerting to some of your employees that this deal is, is pending and it may happen. And, and uh, so I, I think it's just, you know, you, you got to be very careful in how you handle that though. No question. It's a sensitive issue. Would, uh, would you go into these agreements or these, this process with a timeline? And do you say, look, I, we want to get in the details, but we got to have it done by a date certain. Yeah, I think, a timeline does make sense that way if the time comes the buyer wants to see this but someone's not really ready to turn that over yet if you have a timeline well nobody's really getting upset because everybody is is uh, on time with everything on the other hand if you have no timeline and the buyer wants to see this and you're not turning it over that could create just some some problems in uh, in preventing you from actually getting a deal done in the, uh, in the, in the end but I, I think a timeline does make sense to a certain extent yeah, what I would add in there, sometimes you, there's going to be uh, additional layers or, um, or rounds of due diligence. So um, some accounting practices with companies or how they uh, you know, track their numbers or sales or uh, you know, different, different parts of the organization, how, how they, they feed it, uh, isn't, uh, uh, maybe is not as detailed uh, as the, maybe the buyer feels like they need. Um, so in some cases, uh, if they're experienced in that industry, they already know what some of their costs are, their variable costs. They have an idea what they're going to do on the fixed side, uh, overhead, what's going to continue, what they're not going to continue. And they're trying to evaluate, you know, whether they'll keep that location or, or not. And so there may be ways to, rather than just straight from the financial statements, so maybe it's sales reports or uh, pipeline reports or, or 
uh, waste uh, histories and, and, and some different things that they're getting into their process or, or warranty uh, returns, things like that. Mm-hmm. So they may be able to get to the, the information they really need without overly relying on uh, financial statements that maybe are not as detailed enough as they need it, or maybe not quite as accurate. And it's, um, so, uh, there can be multiple sources to get the, the numbers, if you will. Yeah. And it's interesting, Bill, you, you referred to the sellers early on in our conversation today, and you, you've worked with small to mid-sized businesses in your career. Uh, if I'm a seller of say a small business, a limited staff, but I think I've got good value and I, I want to, maybe this is my retirement as I sell. Uh, the process could take a while. How do I make sure that I can still run my business and keep it healthy while all this is going on? Because I'm, I'm probably the guy that has all the information. How, how do you get around that? Yeah, uh, certainly it's uh, distractions are, are a challenge. So it, it, it can be, uh, you know, I would say another distraction is when do you share with your team uh, that mm-hmm. the it's being sold and is somebody going to leave or is a customer going to leave or, or a vendor is going to leave. And we're usually we're more interested in the employees as a, as a key part of that. Um, usually we would bring those folks in, uh, let's say as a seller and we would let them know uh, why we're excited about selling or rather than, you know, tell the positive story. Uh, and I guess I, what I alluded to before, a lot of these sellers, they really do care. Um, uh, these employees, if they've been there, uh, most likely they're, that's what they're worried about missing uh, is the, the family atmosphere or, or the environment. And they're very interested in what the, the future is going to be. Um, so uh, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, so, you know, sharing that information, being transparent uh, and getting them part of the process rather than, uh wondering who these people are walking around and, sure. and, and doing different things. Yeah. And, and Ted, I'll kind of turn to you here. I assume this is a area you've seen in the past and, and want to make sure things go well. Companies have entered into the agreement. Um, obviously they want to make it move forward. Can the buyer just back out at some point or the seller? Can they say, you know what, I've decided I don't want to do it. Or once you've entered this phase, are you sort of committed unless there's really a, a flaw or an infraction you didn't anticipate it, it kind of has to go through at that point. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that there's a letter of intent and if it was done properly, it's a non-binding letter of intent. Now some issues that could come up if, if a party wants to back out, if you are a, a buyer looking to back out, one question is, did you deposit earnest money already? And if you did, there should be a time frame which allows you to back out. If you see something you don't like, you're not happy with the condition of the company, as long as you do it in a timely manner, then you should be able to get your earnest money back. Um, we've been involved in litigation, though, where a buyer just simply changes his mind for no real good reason. Sellers undergone a significant amount of expense and fees getting ready to the closing. And sometimes that could get very contentious. And mm-hmm. we've been involved in litigation there where a party wants to try to recoup some damages where they feel that a buyer may have been acting in bad faith. So um, I think the most important thing is that if you're going to try to terminate a deal, that you have a good faith reason to get out of the deal. And if you're trying to get your money back, any earnest money deposited, you want to make sure you do it in a timely manner. So you've got to be aware of those dates. Well, 
Uh, obviously, we've covered a lot today, and we look forward to uh, some upcoming conversations with you. Bill, before I let you go, um, you want to just drop a little information about where people can reach you to get more information if they'd like to talk to you about uh, some business consulting. Yeah, uh, we call ourselves Impact Business Coaching, uh, and my cell is a great number. Uh, text uh, 847-544-6878. Uh, we're in the Chicago area. We'll travel, but uh, we love helping to build companies. And when it's ready to, that legacy is to be handed off to uh, somebody else. Uh, we, we like to help with that as well. Thank well thanks for being with us, Bill. And that always, we direct people to lavellelaw.com, 847-705-7555 or 312-332-7555. Uh, both of you, thanks very much for uh, taking the time today. And we're going to have some conversations coming up. So we look forward to seeing you both again soon. Thanks, Jim.